Hello, and welcome to the Black Sheep Dialogues. I am your host and lead Black Sheep, Corey Gaston. Idiomatically, the black sheep is referred to as someone who is viewed as unlike the rest, usually a part of a family. The Black Sheep Dialogues is a proximity podcast centered on the intersection of faith and culture from the perspective of Christians of color, a much-needed dialogue that is missing from the Christian collective on issues of concern from this population of Christ's body, the black sheep. Here you will hear gospel-centered content that is meant to spur conversation that brings the body together towards unity for the sake of the Christian witness. I invite you to take this journey with us each week as we learn and grow. Together. All right, so we are back with the Black Sheep Dialogues. Uh, Corey Gaston, your lead Black Sheep and host, and we are back for round two, part two, with Ms. Jamila Henry. Um, by special request, we had such an overwhelming response to our conversation a couple weeks ago that it felt prudent and wise to have a second episode. And so um, I've actually um, received tons of information and um, questions and uh, comments in my DMs and text messages and all the fun stuff. And so I'm like, instead of trying to answer them all together um, individually, I'm like, well, why not do a second podcast? And so uh, here we are. So welcome back, Ms. Jamila. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So just like last time, we're going to jump straight into it and we're going to jump in and just get right to the meat. So the feedback was so tremendous um, on our first interview. The words that have been used to describe it for many people were, quote, prophetic and healing. So how does that make you feel? You know what's funny is that I actually do not like public speaking (laughs) at all. I don't like to be in front of people um, and talking in front of people, which is really funny if you know what I do for a living. You're like, what? That makes no sense. Um, Talk to our Lord. (laughs) Um, But to hear that to me is, um, it's encouraging really because it is a reminder that our individual voices matter and our words hold weight for someone. Like you don't need platforms in front of thousands, but God gives us a voice for maybe just the one and that's sufficient. That is excellent. And I mean, that's, I mean, even the way you frame it is, you know, very wise is, you know, so like, like I know that I'm older than you by a great deal, but you sound very seasoned, you know, in your responses and that is, I think one wisdom from the Lord to um, discernment and three the anointing that you carry and so I think with that um, what people are hearing and have heard uh, on the conversation was just that and so when I when I heard the words prophetic and healing you know of course we are you know we're charismatics you know and so I'm we hear prophetic and healing on a regular basis but to hear someone um, respond to a conversation where it was not in the midst of a church service or in something where um, those things would be expected to be uh, to be heard um, but to hear between dialogue between two people that that conversation could be prophetic and healing was tremendous to me and so I, I, there's one 
piece of a conversation that I wish to read that really impacted me. And this came from inside of my DMs. And it said, I'm the only woman of color at my job. Literally the only one. These past few months have been the most emotional for me because I feel like I have no one to connect with during this time. I have found myself silent, not silent because of fear, but silent because of anger. I have overheard some of the most racist conversations and even had racial slurs and comments said to me from patrons of our office as well as an employee. And this particular uh, sister is tired. She goes on to say that she is tired, but then she also goes on to say that it was extremely encouraging, like just listen to the podcast. And honestly, I have been waiting for this for a while. I am in the same situation and just wondered how other black sheep in my situation feel. So to hear um, yeah. from, from her in that way um, was extremely encouraging um, to know that, like you said, it may not be for the thousands and the platforms that God gives us. Um, it may just be for the one. And in this case, it was several ones, <laughs> you know, that, that kept reaching out. So a lot of the ladies, um, particularly ladies that responded that are members of organizations um, were sharing appreciation for you sharing your experience. How does it feel to give a voice to the struggle that many ladies and specifically minority ladies have faced? Wow. Well, um, it's definitely humbling for sure that um, they feel like I have been an open voice for that. Um, but the more I think about that, it's also slightly disappointing. Um, and what I'm about to say is not me minimizing the sharing of my experience, but what that says to me is that people aren't listening, you know, mainly with their heart, right? Because this is a heart issue. This is not an issue of whether your ears have the ability to hear, but whether your heart has the ability to feel. You know, my message is not something that's new. It is something that generations of women have been sharing for such a long time. And this is just a different person on a different platform sharing the same message. And what that tells me is that it's time for us to figure out how we can hear with our heart. Because when you hear a message for so long, that has to transfer from your head to your heart because that's the only place change can happen. So what do you mean? What dig in that on that just a little bit more that we haven't been listening with our heart. That's that's a really good word. Expound on that. I think it's easy for us to hear things um, and not allow them to sink in. And that's kind of the difference there. Like I can hear a message, but until I allow that to really sink into who I am and the heart and the core of who I am, then I'm not compelled to action. I'm not compelled to change. I'm not compelled to have conversations with other people because it doesn't mean anything to me yet. Hmm. That's kind of that idea. My wife made a point. She said, you know, it's easy to hear someone, but when it doesn't affect you, right. um, it doesn't impact you and it doesn't compel us to make change so when people um hear stories of those like yours and mine um until it affects them individually um would you say that there's no investment yeah i would say that or at least there's very little investment you know you may take the time to listen but 
truly investing is in allowing it to seep into who you are. That's a bigger investment. Indeed. You know, within the body of Christ, and I have a firm belief that those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, we are no longer just um, passers-by or friends along on the same journey. Um, it has recently become a conviction of my heart the past couple of years that we truly are family. And so in the church, we always say you know, to each other, hey, brother, hey, sister, you know, but I think for uh, such a long time, that's been just um, words that have come along with the territory. But right. instead of it being words that have come along with the territory, um, I think we really need to embody that. And, you know, the way I respond to a friend is way different than, I, than the way that I respond to a sibling. That's true. You know what I'm saying? And so my siblings, um, when there's someone who bears uh, the same image as myself, the same blood as myself, my emotion, my emotional care, my emotional concern, it raises just a little bit. And to know that there's someone within my family that may be struggling causes me to lean in a little closer than it would be if it was just someone who was a friend. Um, and so I really have taken that lead from scripture that we really are indeed siblings, um, not just you and I, but all of us that call ourselves um, Christ followers. So do you think that may be some of the disconnect as well? I do. Um... I think that this is an area where we, as the body of Christ, have to learn to work together. Um, no battle needs to be fought alone. And that's kind of, in hearing that, that that's what the women have been saying, it's just a reminder that we have to operate together in community and oneness and unity because there is nothing that one person is facing that somebody else hasn't already faced or is also walking through that at the same time and we can help each other and share experiences with that um, and that's for both men and women we all need to hear each other and move forward so that we can effectively be the amalgamated body of christ like a dismembered body benefits nobody mm. so. that's really good so you know what's unique about this conversation is that like you said this isn't new it's been had by countless dozens and possibly even hundreds of other people uh, throughout the generations, different platforms, different times and place, but it's been the same conversation. I think what makes this time different and possibly even hopeful for me is that, like you said, we need to learn a different way to work together, a different way to become a family. Um, the amalgamated body of Christ. I love that phrase. I may steal it. <laughs> I honestly may borrow that. I'll take royalties. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious, right? I love the way that you said that. And so, like, I, I'm not looking for a fix, but I'm look because a fix doesn't get to the heart. You know what right. I'm saying? But a solution, on the other hand, has taken into account um, root causes and is finding a way to remedy. Uh, the situation that ails us. And so I'm, I'm hoping that even in our conversations and conversations that you have had with, with people uh, from the first airing um, and conversations that I've had with people since then will continue to push the needle, you know, in a different direction. Um, because I think that's honestly what our body needs, what the body of Christ 
needs um, in this hour. You know, of course, I, I read a report this morning. It was from the Barna Group, um, George Barna, um, incredible researching group and has been for the better part of 40 years. And we've used Barna Research Institute uh, for a myriad of, of reasons, whether it's been that the youth in our church were falling away and here's why, or the number of Protestant churches that are in evangelical churches that are closing their doors during this time of COVID and why, and those, those bits of research. And we of course found um, one today that uh, uh, overwhelming majority of evangelical Christians that do not look like you and I um, feel that you know racial tensions within our country are not all that bad and that was kind of dis disheartening uh, to me especially in 2020 where we have lived through one of the most arduous times of my 41 years of living um, especially on a national scale and so when you hear things like that in light of the conversation that we had last time and the conversation that we're having tonight, how does that make you feel? I think it brings some validity to how people of color have felt in primarily the evangelical white church. Because um, sometimes the, the data proves things of we don't feel seen, we don't feel heard. And to hear statistics like that, it adds some validity to those feelings. Not that they weren't valid before, but now here it is on paper that also says that. Um, but the good thing about statistics and research is that it puts an issue right in front of you. It puts it in your face. So you can't ignore now that there's a problem, which pushes you to solution. You can't deny now that there's an issue. So now we have to focus on what is the solution for this problem? Because it's no longer just he said, she said, or that only happens to you, or that only happens to your friends, but a renowned research group is now saying, no, this is this is a, a broader issue that has to be addressed. Good. You said a phrase that my wife and I have been talking about, um, invisible people. And there are a growing number of people in the margins within the global body of Christ that um, have felt invisible. And the black sheep, um, that the re whole reason that I want to have a tattoo on my right arm of the black sheep, and two started um, this dialogue and even conversations as, as far back as three, four years ago, where these conversations began to be hashtagged with the black sheep. Um, it, it sometimes feels very um, lonely and also it feels very unnerving to be the voice of um, a people that have historically been invisible in the spaces where we find ourselves because there's some serious backlash that can come uh, from, from speaking um, this truth um, where you are the minority. How do you feel about that? Have you experienced that? Um, and, and if so, can you expound on that just a little bit? Yeah. Um, I don't think I've received backlash, but that feeling of being invisible um, and then being the only one to speak up is very difficult. So it's not so much backlash, but it's this fear of the backlash or this fear of the dismissal of those sorts of things because 
when you are speaking about something that the majority is facing, you have the support of the majority. But when you're speaking about something that so many people who have been walking through who have been invisible, that support almost feels invisible because nobody else can see it. Mm. And so that's more so what I feel, not so much backlash or anything like that. It's almost just a fear of that. And then the sense that there's an absence of support when I step out and speak. In my view, I almost feel as though dismissal is worse than backlash. You're right. Because at least with backlash, there's engagement. Acknowledged. Yeah, yes. right. Acknowledged. Right. So I, I, I actually kind of welcome backlash um, because there's at least an opportunity to dialogue and mm-hmm. say, I don't see your point or I disagree with that. Now, I'm fine with disagreement because that gives me an opportunity to engage. But right. dismissal, um, antipathy, apathy, those those emotions are hurtful. Um right especially if you already felt invisible <laughs> and then you dismissed on top of it. It's like, all right, then <laughs> it's like, so, so you're telling me I really don't matter. Yeah. Like you really don't care. <laughs> really don't care. And, and just, you know, OMG comma W O W, you know, like, <laughs> come on, you know? So I would almost um, much rather entertain backlash. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. A little bit of rebuff, like, uh, I don't quite see it that way. And here's why. Man, let's engage. I'm good with that. I've had a lot of conversations um, at a local coffee shop, one of my favorites in town, over that exact conversation. I don't see it that way. Can you help me see it from your perspective? Um, but the the dismissal, yeah. Uh, yeah, that hurts. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough that one. That hurts. So have you experienced much, much dismissal? Yes, but it's not been outright. Sometimes I don't think people realize that that is what has happened. So when I bring something to you and have a conversation with you, your lack of engagement speaks dismissal to me when you don't respond or when you don't have a conversation with me or when you know that I am your only black friend and in 2020, you have still yet to say anything to me. Um, That feels like a form of, I don't see you and this is not worth my time. Mm. And that's where sometimes I feel the dismissal. I've heard um, a couple things that were very encouraging. Um, Back this summer when we had the um, peaceful march in Charlotte with It Ends Now Charlotte, um, one of the speakers had made a very profound statement, at least it was to me. Um, He said that he had gotten the phone call from one of the organizers and um, he said his initial response was, not my people, not my problem. And he initially, uh, after he said that, of course, felt the check in his spirit that that's exactly what this is. These are my people. This is my problem because it's a body of Christ issue, not that it's not people that don't look like me or anything of that nature. So his perspective changed, uh, which was a heart change, which you alluded to earlier, because his his head said initially, not my people, not my problem. And then his heart was checked by the spirit of God and said, these are my people and this is my problem. And so that dismissal that sometimes can come 
uh, does feel that way, um, where I'm not worth the time, worth the attention, worth the struggle, worth the inconvenience. Um, yeah, that that's tricky. It is. It really is. Well, maybe for something a little lighter <laughs> at this point, because uh, I definitely wanted to get to this because this is this is always has always made me giggle since um, you <laughs> you and I are um, the the only two that are visible um, within our particular organization that look like us. We oftentimes get mistaken to either be <laughs> husband and wife or to be brother and sister. Yes. So I've heard that. I mean, what was funniest um, was at Christmas time uh, where we did that song and I played piano. And of course you sang. And uh, for people who do not know us, they're like, oh, you and your wife did so well. (laughs) (laughs) I hear the same things, too. (laughs) It's like, like, well, she's actually my, my sister in Christ, but. Uh, it's like, oh, like, 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 where are y'all from? Like, no, 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 like in Christ. In Christ, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> like, like, I'm from here. She from South Florida. Yes. <laughs> you know? And that's as close as the relation has has come. Right. But I think, I mean, so that's an that's an innocent and innocent yeah. thing. But it always happens uh, when there are just so few of us that are represented. Sure. Um, where they the conversation that you just came together. Yes, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we got two chocolate chips in the same bowl. They, they must, must have come from the same package. <laughs> <laughs> they must have, because why? How else? You know, is so. It's very innocent. It's very well intended. But I chuckle every time. And of course, I think um, Grace is a two-way street, right? So this yeah. is something that I've been uh, processing in my mind. We always talk about grace, 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 like giving grace, but we never talk about like receiving grace and giving grace. So that reciprocity that comes from both of that, I think there has to be grace to um, not only receive that and even kind of laugh it off and say, no, but let me correct you. This yeah. is what it was without people finding offense. Um, because the people that I've corrected, they're like, oh, I didn't know. It's like, it's all good. You know, it's, it's something. But I think there is something within the psyche of people that instantly make that association mm-hmm. that um, there there are these people that are together. They must be related, you know. Right. And so I've said on this show before that black people are not monolithic. You know, we're not all cut from the same stone and we each can have a variety of belief and thought and uh, conviction, worldview, X, Y, or Z. And we, we can also have different progeny, different family um, makeup. And so we're not all related, even though we might all be related. Yeah. You know. Somewhere down the line, we're all related. Somewhere down the, yeah. down the way, right? <laughs> and of course, back to Adam and Eve, we're all, all related in that regard. But that's for the entirety of humankind. Right. And, so, and so it's like, so for anybody who is listening that has possibly ever assumed it's cleared up right not, here, right now. Right. We are not related. <laughs> Her last name is Henry. My last name is not. <laughs> I'm so, Jamaican American. <laughs> yeah. And I'm country. I'm from I'm from Harrisburg, you know, from the sticks. But but I think there's been uh, you know some I think that's funny. And I think even in some of our differences, when we have those types of conversations, I think there's room for grace. Uh, to really lead a conversation that can really be a moment of teaching because if it's been done to us, I can almost assuredly say that it's probably been done to others. 
And so to help you be helpful in other conversations, help others be helpful in other conversations is like, so let's consider before we make that assumption. Um, and I think that would be really, really helpful, really beneficial. But I definitely wanted, wanted to end our conversation on a light note because we were heavy <laughs> the last time and we were kind of heavy in the beginning. But I definitely want to get that one in because, I mean, it happens so often. And, it really yeah, does. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, me and the other um, fellow that works, works with me at the school, um, they're like, is he your, is he your dad? I'm like, no, he's not my dad. Um, you know, that's cool. No. You know, it's all good. You know, and so you kind of laugh it off. It's like, but but people quit assuming all black people are related. Yeah, we're not. No, <laughs> no. That's why we need more of us. <laughs> yes, we need a variety. We need a variety. Chocolate chips. We need semi-sweet. We need dark chocolate. We need milk chocolate. Yes. Caramel chips in there. We need it. We need a whole plethora of of the morsels. So, James, thanks for being on again for part two. I am so hopeful uh, for not only the future, but just to see what can come from uh, all of this that, you know, God has given us and the ability to reach and, and touch others' lives with words yeah. and a conversation on a, on a Thursday night where it's raining outside. So, <laughs> so thanks so much, sis. Anytime. All right.